Welcome to Everyday Driver, where cars are more than just transportation. They're freedom, a common ground, a way to grow, and can even make life better. We're here to help everyone find a car they love and discover all the ways cars connect us. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is The Car Debate. Hi, guys. It's Tuesday. Welcome back to the podcast. We're glad to have you with us. We've got a ton of car conclusions. We probably won't even get to all the car conclusions in this episode. (laughs) Well, yes. If you have written to us with your conclusion and we haven't gotten to it yet... Please, we're working on it. They're but awesome. Thank you for writing to us. We really appreciate it. Before we jump into those, Season 10 episodes are now completed filming. We're very thrilled with that. We really are done, aren't we? Well, <laughs> that was done is not the right no, word. No, done shooting. No, no I, <laughs> done I'm well aware we're shooting, not done done. Filming, you know, yeah, yes. Yeah. But now we're deep into edit, and we are back in the Motor Trend Cable Channel at 7.30 Eastern. That is Saturday, January 1st, 2022. Season 10 and Start soon, your new year with us, we I'm will, telling you. Yeah, soon we'll yeah. publish the new trailer. You just finished the new trailer today. Yep, yep, yep. the new opener is very, very exist. cool. Yep, for sure. Good, good uh, diversity of cars and just classic matchups. I agree. Uh, this, is, this is one of the most exciting seasons for me, and, and I like what we do anyway. I'm always really happy with the stuff we pull together. I'm just looking at this season going, this is really a fun one. It's a good and one. And, and every, every pairing... Every episode is a totally different location, too. Very different look. Yeah. I mean, yeah. some of our seasons, just based on where we've shot, have looked kind of similar. It looks like we had the cars on similar roads. This is completely different every single episode. I'm quite excited. Let's jump right into Topic Tuesday here. Those are the car conclusions you guys have written to us. First from David E., episode 320, writing to us with a three-year car conclusion. Wow, that took a while. <laughs> from episode 320? Wow. I mean, come on, that's half, that's half the life of the podcast ago. <laughs> that's amazing. That's craziness. Well, he says he has had a history of muscle cars, including a 73 Trans Am, 67 GS400, 72 Monte Carlo with the big block. And he says, in 1986, he found an unloved, overlooked Omni GLHS sitting on the back lot of a Dodge dealership. like hell some more. Yeah. There it is. So then he bought it because it was fast and cheap, and he discovered the joys of dodging cones and parking lots at SCCA at Auto Crossing. But then 30 years, nine months after the debate, and a lot of drive homework, he bought a new Tornado Red GTI at a fast, fantastic discount. Autocross mediocrity and fun ensued <laughs> until he sold it for $2,000 more than he paid for it. Well done. Wow. That's so back to the weird the used car market he went. Yeah, for sure. He says his drive homework was shorter this time, ranging from another GTI, Veloster N, Civic Type R, ND2 Miata. Yes. Mm. He liked all his hatch options, but the Miata made him smile and talk out loud to himself. <laughs> Uh, Honey, you're talking to yourself again. (laughs) That's very funny. But he says the lack of storage was a buzzkill, and paying more than new car prices for a used car was an emotional wedgie. That's a good description. I like that. I have never heard that. That's that's a first, but it's good. (laughs) But hey, look, the new and awesome BRZ86 is out, and so he used the GTI Windfall to order a poverty-spec BRZ Premium with a manual transmission. (laughs) Just barely got into the new gen. Right under the wire. Yep. So this is the reset button, he says, in a journey to rear-wheel drive the dedicated sports car land. Don't tell Todd, but he decided he liked this car in silver. He did what now? I will not tell him. Don't worry, David. He did what, David? What did you do? I I don't know. Nothing happened. All right, good. Now, delivery has not happened yet as of this recording. He hopes very soon, but he's already shopping wheels and tires and new struts and shocks. Uh, wow, you're good. Okay. Wow. Have you driven the car yet? So you're, why are you're you turning changing? it into a GR86, you know? Why are you by shopping? Sh- is this why you're doing struts. struts and shocks? Why are you making that change? But it's available, right. okay. I suppose. It's so. awesome. Very cool. Good for you. But he says uh, he's, he's thrilled with it, and uh, well, 
Once he's, he does, he's excited he does to have get it. it. He feels like he definitely got the right thing, which is great. And you're right. That is the thing the 86 does that the Miata doesn't is give you a little bit of space. I'm glad you like the ND2. We have an 86 versus Miata piece coming up in Season 10. We're quite excited to share that. In fact, we just watched the locked cut of that. Yeah. And we're a little excited. Pretty cool. Well, he hasn't stopped shopping at this point, and there's this low-mileage Z3 that he's looking at. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Telling you, Z3s us, are awesome. We, we never stop. We never stop. You actually do say that. You say you, there's never really a conclusion. It's just new installments. So I'm, welcome to this installment, David. Well done. Car installments. Nick writes to us. He was shopping for a specific C4 Corvette all summer. But he wants to tell us about his dream car shopping nightmare. Mm. Now, he found this 1989 red-on-red six-speed that was the best version to him of the first-gen C4. Okay. Digital dash, old motor, the updated ZF six-speed. So he found one in the spring, and the owner wouldn't let him test drive it or get a pre-purchase inspection. And he wasn't even willing to drive it down his driveway until Nick paid for it. Mm. He said he wasn't going to risk that. He's disappointed. He, I, I can't believe that owner didn't let... You move it. Or just see it. Can I just look well, at it? It, it sounds like he just is walking around at parks like, I won't drive it down the drive. I won't let you get a pre-purchase inspection. You can't test drive it. What? I mean, I understand. Look, as the owner, he probably doesn't want joyriders. I get that. But if For somebody sure. is there wanting to buy a car, you can't expect somebody to not drive the car <laughs> and proceed to give you a person standing there with one car in your driveway money for it. That's, that's inexplicable. No kidding. Well, Nick found another one three and a half hours away. So he took a Friday off of work, drove all the way out there, saw it as he drove up, and was so excited right up until he started it. Mm. And it started smoking. <clears throat> then it wouldn't restart. Okay. So he tried to use that as a negotiating tactic since this was a dream car, but the owner said he'd rather let it sit forever than sell it for less, and it's still for sale. What? Do these two guys know each other? <laughs> They're brothers. Possibly. They have the same car. They have the same problem, which is no connection with reality. I'm sorry to hear that. Okay. So during this long drive home, he listened to the podcast, and we were discussing the idea of allowing yourself to experience something different for a period of time. Okay. Interesting. So fast forward a week, and he meets the sweetest older lady named June, whose husband recently passed. June was selling her husband's 1994 BMW 325i 5-speed he's owned since it was new. Oh, my gosh. Okay. When Nick showed up for a test drive, she dressed to match the car with all her jewelry on and asked for a photo. Hmm. She described how much her husband loved the car and that they were snowbirds, so the car was never driven in winter. And Nick noticed the car was sitting lower than it should have, so he asked June about it. <laughs> And I love she told, this. This is so great. She told Nick this fantastic story about her husband the previous summer did something because he took her for a ride and kept saying, see how nice it handles? <laughs> so upon further inspection, Nick found he had installed Coney's and H&R Springs. He couldn't help but laugh at the idea of a man well into his 80s taking his wife for a ride to show off his new mods. This is how we know that fun cars keep us young, folks. Yes. In that moment, yes. she was his girlfriend. Yes. She was his girlfriend. Who knows how long they were married? She was his girlfriend. He was like, honey, look what I did. And she's tolerating him in that fantastic girlfriend-wife fashion. I love this, that he put new... <laughs> New Cody's and HR Springs in the car, and then was like, honey, we have to go for a ride. And you know it was lost on her. You know totally. it was. She was it, like, I don't get it, but I love you. Yeah. Totally. How aspirational is that no, for, for sure. just life? Yes. Well, Nick did buy it. He brought it home. He found every bit of paperwork for the car, including the window, original window sticker, and a letter to the dealer written with a typewriter found in the glove box. <laughs> 
<laughs> All correspondence was done on a typewriter. I like it. It's good. So after a few weeks of owning it, he absolutely loves it. He still wants a Corvette in the future, but currently this fits his lifestyle much better considering he can fit his daughter's booster seat in the back and they can both enjoy it. And he's got the podcast to thank. Nick, thank you so much. What a great way of stepping out, Nick. That's a really cool story. Bob wrote to us from Florida. He has a, a car conclusion as well. He says, um, hmm. two big milestones last weekend, so he needed to write to us. First off, he found the podcast through YouTube. He started the show. He started listening to the show, and uh, we became his car guy friends. His friends refer to us as the car guys. So he's <laughs> been devouring, devouring the content. He appreciates the fact that the, the show is family-friendly, so his kids can listen. So Bob found the podcast. When he bumped into it, he just thought, I'm going to start with current episodes. And then he went to the start of us talking about the old sedans and listened to that whole series. And then he went back to episode one and has listened from the beginning. And he has just now written us because he's actually caught up. And he says, now I only get two episodes a week because we don't do more than that. <laughs> wow. you're, you're 600 and something in, man. Glad, for, glad to have you here. Bob, thank you very much. He says this was supposed to be a car conclusion. The budget of 60 grand, he started looking for a 982 Cayman shortly after moving to Florida in 2018. It had been about four years since he sold his convertible 05 Corvette Z51 with a manual. Hey, Nick, I found your Corvette. Well, not. That's sold. <laughs> Never mind. On his first trip to a local dealer, he saw a used GTS, only 1,800 miles. So he took a test drive, fell in love with a race tech's interior, and realized he was now shopping for a GTS. Mm-hmm. It's like you, you fell out of bed and like, oh, I guess I'm shopping for a GTS now. It, it happens. I know. <laughs> but sadly, or not as it plays out, he says... The $71,000 purchase was denied by the Minister of Finance. That happens. That also happens. That does happen, yes. He rationalized it was okay because it was in white. He didn't love the engine note. And the GTS carries a big premium for race techs and 15 horsepower. Hey, welcome to Porsche. Premiums are are coming. They're they're, they're lurking in the background. They're on their way. For the next two years, he was constantly checking the CPO pre-not-Paul came in inventory. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, well, you know what? Paul might sell you his... Ca- Sorry, separate thing. Separate <laughs> right, conversation. Right. You know, onward. But then it happened. The GTS 4.0 was announced. Mm-hmm. So he immediately started working the minister for approval. Mm, love it. Details are not included. He ordered his car days after the configurator went live in July 2021, received it in November, lightly optioned with the manual. He says, sorry, Todd, it's agate gray and has the base black wheels. People keep apologizing to me for non-colored cars. <laughs> like, yeah. Can I, can I reveal the color to Todd? <laughs> should I, should I, should I share? I? <laughs> How mad will he be? Will I get an angry letter back? What happens? <laughs> He's immediately fallen in love with the car. He missed the low and torque of the vet around town, but... The sound of the engine over 4,500 RPM and the rotation of the car, he says, this makes it a dream for on-ramps and the five back roads he's found with turns. <laughs> he is searched. I love what? that you search. Fantastic. He always intended to track the vet and the convertible purchase as part of the deal with the minister when they lived in Northern California. He didn't know it'd be so difficult to track without the addition of a roll bar. Mm-hmm. So it never got tracked. He did do the Bondurant 40 school twice, but now his first track days with his own car have been done. Love it. Two days with the Porsche Club of America at Sebring. Mm. Wow, he was so focused on driving neither the low-end torque or the engine note were ever noticed. So as it happens, he says the budget was increased by 50% and he <laughs> couldn't be happier the car. But this last note is intriguing because mm-hmm. he says, have you seen the Amira? Not in person, but yes, we have. <laughs> and good for you. The disease, Again, it's just the next chapter is waiting on you, Bob. Well done. I, I love that you got that car and like it that much, though. And thanks for tracking it, too. I, yes. That's, that's yes. a new, new, whole new experience. By the way, if you'd like to spend fun money, go track your car a lot. You'll spend all kinds of money. Aaron wrote in, this confuses me. 
he decided to sell his 2020 Jeep Wrangler Rubicon and he sold it entirely because of the market. And he got, again, 2020 Rubicon. He sold it as a used car. He didn't want to make payments on it anymore because he realized that now he's not driving very much and it was going to be his daily. So he thought, I probably should sell this. Mm. And he got five grand more than he paid for it new, even though he's owned it for 18 months and it has 10,000 miles on it. What? Sold it as a profit. You, you you essentially got paid to own a 2020 Jeep Wrangler Rubicon for 18 months. That's insane. You did. This is how nuts it is. He considered a ton of different vehicles, but ultimately decided to buy an 03 BMW E46 ZHP. Now, that's really cool. Now, if you don't know what this is, this is the closest BMW got to making an M3 four-door in the beloved E46 generation. The E46 generation did not offer a four-door M3. Right. They had right. a four-door E46 chassis <clears throat> that was given this ZHP package, which was close but not quite M3. But everyone we've known that's owned one has loved it. He has considered a ton of different vehicles, but ultimately decided to buy this because this is an original owner, European delivery car, impeccable maintenance. He even has the paper receipt for the OEM license plate screws. <laughs> the screws. The screws. Yes, he has that. From 05. Which suggests he has all other paperwork as well, yes. The previous owner addressed all the common issues with these cars using OEM or better parts, serviced everything on schedule for the last 152,000 miles. Wow. And while his wife thinks he's crazy for buying a very high mileage 18-year-old car, the maintenance story and Todd, your story mm-hmm. of Mini, Spot the Mini, mm-hmm. gave him comfort in this particular car. Because you found the right owner. See, it's not right. It's not the mileage. It's the person you bought it from. And Absolutely. that maintenance is so just impeccable that you're going, okay, well, at least I know what's been done to this car, which by the way, was everything. He thinks he's going to love the feel of the naturally aspirated straight six. Well, he knows he loves it. And the rear wheel drive dynamics. He's also enjoying a dashboard without a giant screen. That was a weird era, wasn't it? Mm, That happened. (laughs) His plan for the car is to do a basic restoration, replacing a few interior parts, touching up road rash, but otherwise just enjoying a driving experience. He doesn't think can be replicated with a new car. It's, Fantastic. it's hard to do. Good for you, Aaron. That's really cool. Aaron, I, this is brilliant. Your, your wife is now listening. I'm going to say to her, I, I, we totally get what Aaron did here. And I understand why it seems spooky. And hopefully this, this isn't going to, to prove us wrong. But you did get something that is so well sorted. So bravo. Aaron, you're keeping the market going. You're keeping cars yeah, alive that's true. That's by true. this mindset. Yep, that's very Fantastic. good. Sharif S. writes us from North Carolina. He is a physician, specifically a forensic psychiatrist. His wife is also a physician, so they've got a pretty busy schedule. Now, they've got an 8-year-old and a 5-year-old daughter. Their son, their 8-year-old son, has a severe case of the car disease, (laughs) and their daughter a mild one. (laughs) And we're the car guys. We're we're spreading the wealth or or spreading the disease. It's all bad, for sure. Well, Sharif now has a 90-mile one-way commute to a distant hospital. He typically makes two to three days a week. Okay. Now, there's usually very little traffic and a nice drive with some sweepers, but not a lot of real curves. So he drives this early in the morning or in the evening, he says. But on other days, his commute is much shorter. They used to have, well, con- their garage consisted of a daily, a 27 focus, 2017 Focus RS, mm-hmm. nitrous blue. He purchased new in 2018. He and his son had a fun mini road trip trading the ST, Focus ST, for the RS. Mm, very cool. Now, the only mod is high performance all seasons, which softened it a bit, which is fine. And his wife has a 2014 Mercedes GLK. All right. Well, the fun car was an 04 Mazda Speed Miata. He purchased with 25,000 miles on it in 2011, has loved it since. 
And it was time for the Miata to go, though his son, and he loved taking drives in it. But it was just life has moved on. And he got to a place where their daughter started kindergarten and he does school duty. There wasn't a way to put two kids in the Mazda Speed Miata. So unfortunately, it had to go. Well, Sharif wanted a fun 2 plus 2 in manual. He wanted another Mustang, so everything clicked. Now, he says the EcoBoost was the obvious choice with his commute, except for one thing. He's had a lot of four-cylinder turbos in his life, including mm-hmm. that very engine, same engine in the Focus RS. Mm-hmm. He's had a 98 Mustang Cobra when he was in med school. He thought it'd be cool to revisit that world, the cars <laughs> of the past. There you go. He drove a 996-911 turbo convertible, two generations of the M3, 997.1 base model, and a GT350 Mustang for drive homework. He did like the 2019 black Mustang GT with the red leather, but the local Ford dealer only wanted to give him $4,000 for the Miata, so he walked. Well, that's because they were going to turn right around and sell it for ten. Well, and they just looked up and just said, that there's nothing special about this. This is only worth four grand." He sold it to a consignment place at another dealer, and they got 12 for it. Three times? Because somebody was looking for that car exactly. versus a dealer just absorbing it. You got good money out of it. Bravo. Well, so he found a unicorn to the extent that any Mustang can be called a unicorn. <laughs> That's true. They're, they're, they're a bit <laughs> they're, common, they're Sharif, really. but bravo. It, it, it's unique anyway. I take your point. <laughs> this was at a dealer in New York. He landed on a 2018 ruby red Mustang GT convertible with manual with the PP1, the Performance Pack 1, and MagnaRide with 6,000 miles. Hmm. Special order, specced perfectly, it has all the tech, active exhaust, adaptive cruise, lane keeping for the long commute, even though he rarely uses it, mm. no accidents or title issues. And the only concerning issue was an engine replacement at 900 miles under warranty, but it's still under warranty. He purchased an extended warranty from Ford, so he's not too worried. Yeah. And he says he got a great deal, 35.5K, so $35,500 in early March, had it shipped in, from New York. And bought it sight unseen because, of course, at the time, travel was impractical. Sure. And New York still had COVID restrictions. He said this car stickered at $57,000 and most similar cars were closer to 40. Good for you. All right. All right. I like it. Sharif loves the way it drives, loves the tech, the V8 rumble and the thrust. And he says, Paul's right. Sound sells. It definitely does. I still think it does. And I love that you love it, Sharif. He says the only negative is the lack of communication from the steering wheel. It's precise, but not like a Focus RS, of course. Okay, fair. On the Miata. Fair, fair. And he could have kept that Miata and purchased the Mustang, though he says one car would have been outside with a Covercraft cover. No bad thing. But not I, bad, but, but, the, but the issue would be <laughs> sure. the reality of not actually getting them both driven. And you acknowledge that here. You're like, I, I miss that analog feel of the Miata, but you expect to go back to that at some point because there's no way you would be driving both those cars. So you mm-hmm. said you're currently eyeing. Again, these are the stages. This is the stage you're in. You bought that GT and you love it, but now you're shopping again, not for the immediate future, but you're eyeing M Roadsters, S2000s, 997, 911s, something that will get you into the world of analog cars again. And then you acknowledged, by the way, that your dad has a 2003 BMW Z4, and you said, you're right. There is no steering feel. So, Sharif, we hope he gets back into something with steering feel down the line. But I like that the Mustang is so perfect. And you mm-hmm. found one. This We've heard tons of people say this. You found one that is all the boxes you would check if you bought it new, but you found a used one where somebody had checked all those boxes. That is a fine, man. Well done. Patrick M. writes to us about moving on from his old car. Previously wrote to us about an emotional conundrum he was having. Although we didn't get to his email, he took our advice, and he's selling the car he no longer feels 
that it's inspired to drive. I can see that. This We talk about this, Patrick. Obviously, we do. If you have a car that you drive, you're like, yeah, he just couldn't bring himself to drive it anymore. He's had a Pontiac G8 GT for 12 years because he needed something with four doors, an automatic, to meet the requirements of his life and the Minister of Finance. He's put a lot of power into it. He's upgraded the suspension. He's done everything GM had available that he could theoretically fit into that car. Yeah, it magnified everything about the car. It was very fast, but it also was kind of terrifying. And now it has over 500 horsepower and tons of grip. He says, you know what? This is still a big sedan. (laughs) Indeed. He says it's go to jail, do not collect $200 kinds of speeds through Texas. But eight tenths and below, the nice thrumming rumble of the V8, he says, will put you to sleep. Well, a couple of years ago, they finally got to a point that the Minister of Finance was comfortable with him replacing the car he lost in an accident 12 years ago, which is why he's had this G8 for 12 mm-hmm. years, yep. E30 BMW 325iS. Mm. He had never spent so much time on the back roads of Texas, but he says he found himself contriving ways to justify using the E30 <laughs> two-door for errands it had no business doing and that the G8 could have easily accomplished. <laughs> says, have you ever seen three feet of two by four sticking out of the passenger window of an E30? Well, some Becky, very lucky people on a random Saturday in San Antonio have had that pleasure. If you can't picture what this is, this is the eighties BMW three series. This is the one that they made the original M three out of. Mm-hmm. And that car in pretty much any spec is genuinely a fun chassis to drive. And he has the 325 IS, which obviously is not the M3, but I love that you love it this much, and and we know those are great. That's fantastic. Keep going, Paul. Well, when he found himself staring at the G8, thinking, I really need to drive that, Mm -hmm. he knew it was a tipping point. So he finally took our advice, replaced the it-must-have-four-doors-and-an-automatic kind of car with something he finds oddly engaging. (laughs) It's got half the horsepower, two less gears, two fewer cylinders, and the brand is known for comfort and luxury. He got a 1995 C36 Mercedes AMG. He's always been intrigued by these Mercedes from the 80s, but never done it, never bought Mm. one. And he says he knows that 95 isn't quite like the 80s cars, but he says the Minister of Finance is quite fond of airbags. Understand? (laughs) And he he doesn't think of this as a sporty drive, but its driving dynamics are amazing. It's quite engaging. Big inline six is a nice change of pace, he says. Plenty of torque. And he now has the best problem to have. Mm. When he's getting ready to go for a drive, it's no longer a given. Is he going to take the E30 and push it hard, or is he going to back off to 7 tenths and enjoy the scenery? Because the G8 wasn't fun doing that kind of driving, and the Mercedes is. That's fantastic. This is really great, Patrick. We love that you actually (laughs) took that line of thinking, and it made a difference in your car purchasing. I love that you have two cars in the garage that are old cars that you've loved, and you love them for being tools for jobs. That's fantastic. Do you all remember Nicole J from episode 638 who wrote to us about her brother who wants to get away from the GTI image? Mm -hmm. Well, Nicole wrote back. Thank you for writing, Nicole. She really wanted to thank us for having them be a topic of discussion because her brother Kevin sold the 2018 GTI in October as a vehicle appeared that was too good to pass up. You remember she actually had the Alpha Julia, and he kept driving (laughs) her Julia and being like, I want a really fun sedan. (laughs) That's where it started, and it's gone great places. Well, her brother Kevin works at a BMW dealership, Mm -hmm. okay? And he took what we recommended to heart, went on some test drives. And he, you know, Nicole says the Mazda 3 Turbo was the logical choice, but Kevin felt nothing out of it, no burning desire for the car. Okay. And he did laugh when we made mention that he should be the team player at the dealership. 
as he tends not to be one. He's always the outlier within the dealership. We asked if it was an issue. We were like, mm, do you need to buy a BMW? Is this kind of a requirement? I'm not sure. Yeah. <laughs> and the 2022 M240XI was being released with all the options that Kevin wanted and the color. He says it would have been nice, but it didn't really make him want to keep it beyond the lease or the warranty. M2s would have been fun, but in the current market, even with Kevin's connections, he mm. would have been well over budget. The big one that he really liked was the Jaguar F-Type. Looks and sound would have been a great alternative to his desire for that XF sport brake, yeah, you remember? Yeah, talked about it, yeah. But again, the price range was out of reach. And then someone from Texas came to Maine, where they're located, traded in their 2018 Lexus GS350 F-Sport rear-wheel drive in ultrasonic blue with flax and tan interior and the orange brake calipers. Mm. Kevin waited a bit for the price to drop some more, especially because it was rear-wheel drive. <laughs> he looked at it and went, no one's buying that. I'm just going to sit yeah. here and let them mark it down. Winter's coming, tough <laughs> sell in Maine. Good for you. He negotiated, he was patient, and he convinced the Lexus dealership to take it off their hands so he was able to get it under his budget with a CPO warranty on top after selling the GTI, and he loves it. That's fantastic. I love this. He Man, wound up with the great. right alt sedan to his sisters, and now now they can trade cars. That was the big thing we kept talking about, is that why don't you guys trade cars? He says he'll be installing winter tires, of course, and uh, he's just going to drive it, which you should just drive it. And at the, at the moment, you've also arrived with a car that now um, Nicole is like, hmm, that's interesting, too. You guys really can swap, <laughs> right. is what we were hoping for. Right, and it sounds like they do occasionally. But she sent us pictures of her Alfa Romeo in red, the Julia, next to the Lexus GS350 in ultrasonic blue. That's great. And Kevin's loving it. And Nicole's envious of the color, the features, the comfort at this point. But she does say they're able to take their, each other's cars whenever they work, work, work it out. And so they just, they love it. I, I'm thrilled that you guys can yeah, trade off for and sure. get these two experiences. And Nicole, and I, thanks for writing. I also like that Kevin didn't go, I should just buy a BMW. He winds up with <laughs> the Lexus the no one wanted and the one that he loves. Bravo on that, man. That's great. If you park outside during cold months overnight at home or at work, you need a car cover from Covercraft. We specifically recommend the Custom Weather Shield HP Car Cover. It's designed for dramatic water dispersion while still being breathable and super lightweight. It's also got superior paint finish protection, too. On the underside, it's less abrasive than flannel. Our cars are an investment. From our personal fun cars and SUVs to our cheap sports cars, Covercraft is focused on protecting all of them. And whatever car, SUV, or truck you love, they want to protect that too. Whatever sunscreen, dash cover, or car cover you choose, remember to use the code EVERYDAY21 at checkout to receive a 10% discount and free shipping from Covercraft.com specifically for our audience. Follow the link from our sponsors page or go directly to Covercraft.com for high-quality products that keep your vehicles protected and looking their best. Covercraft, protecting the things that move you. Will M. writes to us with a car debate, asking what comes after a C5 Corvette. He is a 32-year-old engineer living in the Deep South. For his 30th birthday, he bought himself a vasectomy. <laughs> I am not having kids. Happy birthday to me. And a clean 04 <laughs> C5 Corvette flew halfway across the country to pick it up with his best friend. And driving it back, he says, was a fantastic opportunity to learn the car and have a good car story. You make this sound like you did it on the same week. I'm thinking, <laughs> I'm thinking, you had the I surgery. You had the surgery and you recovered a bit. And then you went somewhere and drove cross like, country. I think I'll buy a car now. But what an interesting, what an interesting birthday for you. Okay, <laughs> good job. 
He's put 35,000 miles on it, living with it as his daily and only car besides his wife's four-door Wrangler. But he's looking ahead what to replace it with. He's had two NB Miatas, but 99% of his driving is on the highway, which is not the natural habitat for those two cars. That's true. That's true. He's four hours to the closest track and learned that he prefers a GT car over a nimble sports car meant for carving nice back roads like 86s and Miatas and Boxsters. He hates to admit it, but he's got an aversion to the pony cars because they're not special from a distance. Mm. Is that Mustang over there a GT500 or four-cylinder? He doesn't care. He stopped caring. But on the other hand, everyone at work thought he had gotten a huge raise when he showed up in in his 16-year-old $14,000 Corvette, and he can't stop to buy gas without someone complimenting the car. Isn't it fascinating how cars do that, where sometimes something that is just not worth much, but for whatever reason, people think it's worth the moon. That's fascinating to me. Will says, I don't have kids, won't ever have them, so give me a recommendation for something that is special from a distance with two doors. He wants to flaunt that the bloodline dies with him. <laughs> wow. So would you and your wife pull into either one of your parents' house in this new GT? Is this, is this the, the message? It's just like, we're here, we have bought a great car, and this is as far as it goes, folks. It's just so. us, this car, and our fun. Bravo to you. I think that's great. <laughs> Will wants something faster than a C5, but he's fully aware that significantly faster is unusable on the street, and he's got poor self-control. So really not faster. So maybe not faster. Yeah. More GT than a sports car, and a true two-door coupe. He says they'll always look better than a four-door. Fight me. We agree. No, not we're not, we're not fighting you. We totally agree. Now, his 2000s-era GM product has some gadget that breaks occasionally, but it's usually small things he can handle in the driveway with about a $20 part, Mm -hmm. so it needs to be reliable-ish. Reliable-ish. We can see reliable from here. Yes. He doesn't want to pay the Porsche tax for single-source replacement parts. I get it. I don't blame you. He wants it used, but not too used. Mm -hmm. It's got to be more luxurious than a C5. He says that's a low bar. But he just wants to say people who complain about C5 interiors have soft hands and are missing the point entirely. <laughs> there's some fighting words in here, Will. Okay, no, kidding. Right. There's some nerves that have been hit, but bravo. <laughs> Apparently, you can barely hear the interior squeaks and rattles over the V8, the tire noise, and the screaming. Okay, okay. all right. Well, we covered it up one way or another. <laughs> he wants the best bang for the buck and ultimately keep it under $30,000, even though his hard stop is forty grand. <laughs> looking at me. <laughs> Keeping under thirty, <clears throat> Paul, keep it under forty. But no yeah. kids. This, these are the kids kids right you're right there's mm-hmm. you could just yeah he bought a c5 on a twenty thousand dollar budget walked away at fourteen thousand when he sold it he's covered all his maintenance fuel and tires for a couple of years with the difference and he says leaving a buffer has allowed him to truly enjoy the car without sweating the fact it sees redline every single time the oil gets up to temperature love it that's great if the answer is c8 he says that's okay that's an option for him in the future he'll just change his savings and purchase date accordingly mm. It's considered Cayman's less car for the money compared to most options. You're right. Welcome to Porsche. NDRFs, not great highway cars. F-types scare him because of the maintenance. Mm-hmm. And he's thinking C7s, but, you know, as the most viable big jump upwards. Yeah, yeah. But the jump doesn't necessarily have to be newer. It can be a jump mm-hmm. or a change mm-hmm. without becoming newer. Now, well, that's up to you. Agreed. And, Will, I also don't get the impression here that you're buying some sort of forever car. We're moving on from the C5. So let's move you on from the C5. But let's also have you shop for this knowing, again, the the bloodline dies with you. There could be more fun cars in the future. So let's get you something else now. And I I want you to to buy it thinking much more about new experience than thinking about, I have found the holy grail. 
Right. Let's get something right. alternate to the C5. Because, for example, I think you could get a C6. You could get a C7. I think you would enjoy both of those. And they would be upgrades from where you are now. I don't know they would be different enough, though. Yeah, true. I mean, it's just a little bit more, and, and you'll enjoy the interior refinement. Better refinement. Yeah. Fun to drive, for sure. you got to make a license plate, like still no kids, like abbreviate that one just to, you know. Just no kids is probably probably available. <laughs> there you yeah. go. There you go. Well, I read the entire email at first and thought, okay, all the cars besides a new GR86? Just, I mean, it's a mini GT car. Mm. It's fast, but it's not as fast as your Corvette. But let's leave that aside for now and talk about BMW. Because okay. I thought of the 240i, but that's blowing your budget. So let's back it off to 235i's or even 228i's. Mm. Interesting GT car. Very fun. And this led me to a BMW M Coupe from the late 90s or early 2000s. Interesting. Okay. Simply for the new experience, because sure. I, there's other cars that could just be the lateral move. I'm out of a Corvette mm-hmm. into something very similar. If you want to consider a Mercedes AMG T, I'd be fine with that. <laughs> Not at your budget, but we could double your budget. hard budget, and then we could really get a no-kids license plate. I mean, if you're thinking C8 and you want one, it's a worthy, aspirational, fun, excellent car. Absolutely. You'll just have to, yeah, increase your budget and mm-hmm. change your dates, which mm-hmm. is fine. It's an entirely different driving experience. And for that reason, I say skip the C6 and the C7. Mm-hmm. As you said, they'd be great, cool. I just, I don't know how long you would keep it. Mm-hmm. So if you do think C8 is the car, I, I like that for you. But I was just thinking about something completely different because the Holy Grail car can be for that time period in your life. It might be a year or two or three years and then life changes Mm -hmm. and you want something different. You move new circumstances. You just get bored of it. All of that can be very valid reasons to move on from that car was in my life at that time. I moved on. Mm -hmm. I'm fine with it. Sure. That's my thinking. I really thought about this GT thing a lot, Will. And I really thought about cars that do the GT thing like the Corvette does. The scariest one I thought of, because you could get into one, I think, for the upper level of your budget, the forty grand that Paul's got, but I don't know that that's the one you want, and that is the um, the Aston Martin Vantage. Ooh, that'd be a pretty used high But you'd be the bottom vantage. of the market of the Aston Martin mm-hmm. Vantage, and I'm concerned mm-hmm. about what that Vantage would be like. Which brings me back to one you did bring up, Will, and that is I really like the Jaguar F-Type for you. Do you? Despite I think any that's interesting. I mean, potential maintenance, we're, we're assuming things that might not be there. We, and also we're assuming that it needs to be this long-term car. Mm-hmm. I, I wonder, and you, you haven't given us big breakdowns. You said you're, you're a fan of retirement money, so you haven't really <laughs> given us big breakdowns. But what, what's possible for a C8? If you buy something now for thirty grand, 30 to 40 grand, do you have a plan to get a C8 down the line when they become used and that kind of stuff? Because I like what Paul's saying. I mean, I think that would be an interesting car, a car or two from now, mm-hmm. because you're already interested in it. Why not aspire to that? But what can we do in the interim? And I think the F-Type is it's a fantastic option for you. I think you would thoroughly enjoy it. It, it. it thrives as a GT car, and they aren't holding their value very well. If you're willing to go automatic, you have far more options. So you you could get an F-Type. I think that's a real candidate here. I do like that. I thought of a BMW as well from from the back era, but this is where I went. The BMW 335iS from about 2010, 2012. This is the last of the E92 body style. And it's the car just under the V8 M3 that they made. 
Mm-hmm. It's the mm-hmm. turbo. And on our problem with that car, you can watch our old review of it. Our problem with that car at the time was we felt like it cost too much for what you got brand new. But now they're like 25 maybe Are they 20. still right around that price? Have, has anything changed? They were 18 a year ago. So let's say they're 25 now. Okay? Nobody's looking for those cars. It's turbo goodness on a straight six. It's got great GT style. That's another one of those cars that people, I think, are going to look at it and be like, wow, you're doing pretty well right now. <laughs> and it's a straightforward right. BMW turbo motor that's actually got plenty known about it. So I think the 335 IS is a good option. And then I thought of one that is adjacent to the Corvette you have, but updated and not a Corvette. You like cars that are a little bit unique. What about a Pontiac GTO from the mid-2000s? Interesting. That is the Corvette in 2 plus 2 form. If you get it, now the early ones. backseat space for the kid. Nope. <laughs> for, the, for the whatever you want to put back there. <laughs> but it, but it's, you just don't see them. We saw one this past week. We were in L.A. for a shoot shooting the uh, GTI and the Civic Si. And we saw one at a light that looked gorgeous because you just never see them. Mm-hmm. And the people that have them have kept them fairly nice. It's Corvette running gear under there. It, they're very unique. I really think the Pontiac GTO is a fantastic little alt for you, Will, and you should look at it because I don't think you're going to spend even all your budget. You might spend half your budget and have a fun alternative car for a while that checks almost every box you've got, and then we can look long-term for something else. You've heard us talk about drive homework, because it's vital to drive a lot of things when trying to find your next car. Knowing your options is important. This applies to online shopping, too. You don't want to search just one website unless that site is searching all of the other ones for you. That's why we love Auto Tempest. I know you've heard us talk about it before, and we hope you've already seen how far you can shop with just one search. Auto Tempest pulls from all the top used car sites at once, so you know you won't miss a deal on that perfect car. Autotempest.com. All the cars. One search. I got an email recently from James T., who had a thought floating around in his brain. He asks, what current car is the most sob? The most sob. This is almost a public service for your brother-in-law. It is. We can find out for him what he should buy next. (laughs) Well, James has also always had a soft spot for Sobs. Apparently, the Facebook Sob community is great. They're worldwide. Everybody's friendly and Mm -hmm. generous and helps you find parts. And you can stay on there late. There's lots of Sob stories. There are. They have many things to share. Well, he's sad. They're no longer made. Because they were different enough from the mainstream, like an alternative luxury, Mm -hmm. but somewhat cheaper if memory serves. And he's guessing Mazda in general would be the new Saab, perhaps the new Mazda 3, especially with a recent move up up market without the price tag, but still quite nice. But he's not sure they have that Saab quirk thing. Nothing, Nothing quite has that. Has the Saab quirk. Except for Citroen, but we don't get them here, yes. (laughs) Right. DS, Peugeot, anything? I I don't know. Well, Volvo is still that... Luxury alt. I think Volvo is the answer here. I agree. They're not quirky at this point, but they're a surprising alt. That surprise and delight factor that mm-hmm. is, wow, I didn't know these were this nice or felt this way or, you know, name a category mm-hmm. and find something that's important to you. Size of vents, switch gear, mm-hmm. seats, you know, all that stuff. And they really have a, a nice thing going for them. But Acura as well. Oh, interesting. Okay. Because of price. Right. Yeah, yeah. So sure, we get into sure. Acuras and we think, wow, mm-hmm. these are great for people to consider. You know, we, They're just great to drive, great build quality, yeah, of course. They're yeah. Hondas. Now, if you uh, don't have kids and you need a <laughs> DLX, 
Yeah. You don't put anybody in the back seats. The Type S is brilliant. Well, but the Acura is kind of, you've, you've landed on something good there. Cause I think the Volvo is definitely an answer. Things like rubber flags that are on the outside fenders yeah. of the car. And they, not got also plenty, because they've got plenty of quirky. But the interesting thing about Acura, I hadn't thought of that, but I really think you landed on something there because the thing about Acuras is there are people out there that they're perfect for. Mm-hmm. But the market at large just goes, what car? There's yeah. just blind spots. And then you have yeah. things like the TLX, which is actually really good, but really strange because why aren't the back seats bigger? I mean, there, there's weird right. oddities, choices that have been made right. that were just like, this seems like a weird choice. doesn't make it bad to drive. Watch our TLX Type S review that's on the Test Drive channel, and you'll see. What we're t- I think you've landed on it. That's good. Okay. I, I mean, the TLX is just quirky. It's when, very when you quirky. start asking questions like, why do they do it like this? <laughs> why do they do it that way? Yeah. When those questions add up, you know you found your new sub. That's very good. Kevin also wrote in to us on email. He actually said that he heard us talking about the GR86 spec a couple of podcasts ago, that we had so much fun specking that GR86. Yeah. And yeah. many of you have responded with your builds. You've talked about the configurator's not live in your area or whatever. I love that it's getting people talking about it because we just like the fact that that car is available quite straightforward. The configurator's not like 45 options deep. Either it's like this base one or this one. Porsche. Here's where we're going. <clears throat> yes, that's right. And I did say that I would probably spec it with the small wheels, Mm-hmm. make those the winter wheels, buy some better 18-inch wheels for summers. He said, hang on, hang on. He doesn't know anything about wheels. What makes a good wheel? Can I explain? Kevin, I'm not going to claim to know much. I'm really not. I'm always shopping on a budget. That is part of it. Tire Rack is great for this. But the big thing that I worry about is I try to get known brands, known brands that I know people have tracked with those wheels. Mm-hmm. doesn't mean if I'm going to track it, but just like Inky, Sparco, uh, I'm forgetting an obvious one. Oz does really good wheels. The problem is, though, that wheels can get crazy expensive yeah. really, really fast. Yeah. What I'm mainly shopping for, and I, I have a, a soft spot for Inky Wheels because I know that that's a company whose wheels get tracked, but I'm also concerned about weight. Absolutely. I typically find out what did the stock wheel weigh, and I try to get really close to the stock weight or lighter because I don't want to add corner weight to a car. Mm-hmm. Now, if I was just going to drive it as a big, you know, GT land yacht, then I wouldn't care. But if I'm, I'm typically shopping this kind of thing for a sports car, and so I worry about the weight. So that is the big thing that I that I do is I chase known brands that have actual some sort of. We take this to the track. We've driven this hard once. Pedigree that can afford my budget, which is a lot of things are instantly taken out because I'm not going to spend a thousand dollars a wheel. That's just not happening in my world. If and you want to spend two thousand, you can look at HREs. Yes, HREs are fantastic if you just want to spray money at a car and the wheels. <laughs> but then I, I do really worry about the weight. Kevin, uh, just a quick rule of thumb, and that is construction. And Todd's right. Motorsports and using wheels in motorsports is a great thing to follow. But construction, so most wheels are cast. And there can be good castings and bad castings. Avoid the knockoffs. Of obviously, avoid you know when you have a question mark in your head and you think Never heard of that I, brand. I'm not sure, but forums are a great great way to get on there. You know, hey, what luck have you had with wheels, fitment, all that sort of thing? But then up from there, you go to forge wheels, and that's when things get expensive. But mm-hmm. the wheels get better made, and they're lighter. And then you can go to two-piece and three-piece wheels from there. Three-piece are sort of the holy grail kind of wheel with the, you know, the the ring, the rim itself mm-hmm. is just that. And things get really light, but if you ding a wheel, if they're damaged for any reason, they're very expensive to repair. The holy grail p- price tag, too. That's a, <laughs> yeah. a whole other problem. Yeah. As far as style, get something that you think will look good on the car. 
And there's many configurators that will mm-hmm. help you look at that. But don't buy the wheel in a vacuum either. Don't look at the wheel and think, that'll look great. Because if it's too busy, and many wheels are too busy, mm-hmm. it's going to completely distract you from the car, from the styling. Mm. That's why I like clean, simple style. So does Todd. Mm-hmm. Just a you know a classic look to it. Things like easy to wash should kind of factor into your, <laughs> your wheel buying decision. I, <laughs> the wheels on the Cayman are not easy to wash. They're terrible. They're horrible, actually. But Remember the, the, the gold BBS wheels in the 80s that everybody loved? It was yeah. the bird nest wheels. Yeah. I always wondered how those got clean ever. You, you yeah. scrub elbow grease. All you bad. just get in there. But yeah, there's plenty of places that will describe wheel construction as far as different levels and what that equates to as far as cost. And then you kind of think, all right, I can get a great set of cast wheels for a low price. And price will also tell you pretty much what the production process was. Mm. A price definitely corresponds to forged two piece, three piece up from there. Speaking of the configurator revs up says when we built our 86, neither of us got the protective film from the factory. What made us skip it? And uh, he's also curious about would weather tech mats be cheaper than the factory all weather mats? I don't think they would be. WeatherTech mats are typically they're they're excellent, but they're also pretty expensive. And I like the fact that you could get the ones from the factory that are. I mean, they're made to fit, and they are just they came with the car. I just kind of like that. As far as the protective film, you know what? I went back and forth on it when we built ours because there's a part of me that goes, yeah, it'd be great to get it from the factory. Because I, I'm a huge believer in protective film from the nose all the way to the A-pillar for our area because mm-hmm. of what happens on sure, our roads. Sure, There would be a discussion that happened behind the scenes and would have to happen behind the scenes, which is why I didn't spec it that way, which is would it make more sense to get it done by one of our local installers? Would we end up with better quality or possibly similar price or less? Because there are some installers here locally that will do like a package deal on the front half of the car that is surprisingly affordable. So that's the reason it wasn't done. It was because, honestly, I didn't have the information in front of me to go, what's the best way to get protective film? I would want one on an 86 because of our area. Blair Smith 2000 asks if we've heard of a custom seat for comfort rather than racing. Any idea how or where to look into this? I have found, you know, in the Porsche world, in the back of Panorama magazine, there's advertisers, all of them who are great because they're, you know, they're offering services. But is there a same kind of forum that you could jump onto? I'm not sure what car you've got that you could dive in to look at that. Because, sure, you could source a race seat off the shelf and, Mm -hmm. you know, hopefully it fits when you screw it in and that kind of thing. But there's plenty of upholsters that might specialize in, in the rebuild and kind of tailoring it to your body, to your fit. So, you know, start in uh, in the local forums, you know, your local car communities that have that model of car that you want. Hey, guys, need some interior retrofitting done. And then even if it's, if it's just an interior upholster, they might ship their seats out to, you know, some person over mm-hmm. here. You know, that's a, a great place to kind of follow the rabbit trail to, to get to somebody that can take on your project. Rich writes in and says he's going to Speed Vegas next week. He has booked 10 laps in a Cayman GTS. I'll tell you a secret, Rich. There's a lot of really hot cars at Speed Vegas, and the track is very fun. The track is also surprisingly tight and a little bit technical on the back half. And most of the instructors like the Cayman the most Mm -hmm. on the track because it happens to be the right size and speed for the tracks. I think you you being in a Cayman, you're going to love it. I will also say there's two things going on here. Uh, 10 laps is a lot more than most people do. Most people do three or five. Mm -hmm. And at that point, it's just a blur. You get out, you don't even know know what happened. I was in a car. We were going quickly. Now we're done. I don't know. 10 laps might give you just enough time to start to settle in a little bit. You've said you've never tracked before. You're asking for tips. First off, 
listen to that instructor. Yes, They're sitting absolutely. there all day, every day. They have a break on their side. They know the track better than you ever possibly will. So listen to them. Don't be hard on yourself. You have another lap coming. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. just listen. Go out there, work your speeds up. The other thing I would say to you, because one of the instructors said it to me when we were there, and I was like, I'm being an idiot. It's so obvious. They have lots of great cones for reference all around the track. Turn in here, break here. This is your apex. They tell you what all the cones are. They do a good job of that. But the problem is you can end up driving cone to cone. You drive toward the cone like a lighthouse, and you get to that cone, and now you go, is there another cone somewhere? Where is Mm -hmm. Oh, there it is. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, it's like you're driving from stop sign to stop sign. You're not stopping, but you get my point. I had done a couple of laps and the instructor went, stop driving cone to cone. And I was like, oh my gosh, you're right. I don't know this track at all. I'm driving cone to cone. So what I mean by that is be aware of the cone that you're heading toward, but also what's the next one doing and what's the one after that doing? Keep your eyes up and you will smooth out. Absolutely. And Rich, you can ask your instructor to give you a holistic understanding yes. first of the track. I would recommend if you're interested in an instructor taking you for a hot lap, do that at the end after you've had your laps. Yeah. Don't I don't want you to have one or two hot laps with an instructor and then hand the car over to you and you're fully intimidated. You're going, "I don't drive mm. like that. I've never driven on a track before." Do that at the very end, so then you can get a feel of the instructor's knowledge of the track and what the car can do. You'll mm. really start to feel that the the limits there. But Todd's right. Get the holistic view of the track first. Get an understanding. Listen to you know all of that. But you don't have to be fast. No, there is no requirement for you to be fast on track because this being your first time, you're feeling the car, probably a new weight distribution with the engine, and just understand that. Driving, you know, your your brake and and gas interactions are so much different on track than they are in the street. Mm. And take in all that information and just enjoy yourself for the first few. Slow in, fast out. You know, same thing, building up your laps. Start slowly. Just get a feel for the track. Then your speed will come once you start to do your corners correctly. You won't even think about it at that point. Alan on Instagram just posts a comment, not even a question. He just says, you wanted to to thank us for making a family-friendly podcast and uh, not using profanity so that he can listen with his little daughter and they can enjoy the podcast and videos together. Alan, honestly, that is the reason that we do it. Absolutely. We were just on Matt Ferris' podcast. We were looser on Matt Ferris' podcast. Sure. We're capable of these things, okay? (laughs) And those of you that have hung out with us know that it's like, oh my gosh, Todd and Paul actually can swear. But we're aware of the fact that you may be sitting in the carpool lane and we want the family to enjoy. We're glad. Matt Gare 82 says, if you could have a car related superpower, what would you rather have a neck slap of drivers when they don't use their blinkers or slightly slight electric electrocution, just a friendly shock for drivers who text and drive. Matt, you've stumbled into my personal pet peeve and that Mm -hmm. is phones. Mm -hmm. You can tell all of you can tell when somebody's on their phone because of the attitude of a car where the wheels are at, what the car is doing, the speed speeds have backed off doesn't help you steer a car. It doesn't. It will never help you steer a car. And please put your phones down. Just put them down well, while you're driving. Look, look, I, I'll be really honest. I absolutely pick my phone up while I'm driving. I am, I am guilty as everybody. And, and the minute I do it, I feel bad about it because I'm like, I have just taken away my focus and I try so hard to never pick it up. Yeah. yeah. But it still happens. 
But to your point, Paul, you can always tell when somebody's looking at their phone and driving. And it, by the way, this has nothing to do with your generation or your comfort with your phone. I have seen people of all ages do this, mm-hmm. and they all become idiots behind the wheel when you're staring at your phone. And I do wish, you're talking about superpowers, Matt, I do wish there was a way to buzz that person, like the old hand <laughs> buzzer kind of thing, where when they're doing it and you as another driver notice they're doing it, because that's at the point when it's become a problem. That you can buzz them and be like, hello, hi, put the phone down. I am the same way. I've picked my phone up and then instantly regret it. Yeah. There is no one who is good at this. (laughs) You're right. I don't care. I got it. I got it. I'm really good. None of us are good at it. So just put it down. Ethan Fan 13 asks if it's okay to love and save for a car you haven't driven yet. Mm. Watched all the reviews of the Hyundai Elantra N, even sat in one at the LA Auto Show. Can't stop thinking about how to afford one. Absolutely. Yes. It's great to have aspirational goals. For sure. Yes. Get into it as soon as you can as you're doing your saving and planning and get into one so you can maybe adjust your thinking. Okay, I, a little bit better than I thought. I'm still on the right track. Or, ooh, that was a surprising. It's got a feature I don't like. Or, yeah. you know, the seating position is wrong for my body or something like that. But yeah. absolutely start saving and planning and then... Go drive one. Yeah, you, as have, as you, can. you have to drive one. And, and to what Paul's saying, you have to give yourself the freedom to do two things. One, decide you don't like it. You have to give yourself that freedom because you've already, you've already lionized this car. It's the thing that will be the answer. What if you get in it and you don't like it? You've told all your friends, you told family, this is what I'm getting. You get in and you're just like, this is uncomfortable for me. You have to give yourself the freedom to yeah. not buy it. Yep. Or here's the secondary thing. You buy one, you drive one, you love it, you end up buying one, you love it, but then guess what? Eventually, because you have the car disease, you're not going to love it as much anymore. You have to give yourself the freedom to get out of it down the line. Better Car Guy has something I think we should come back to. Mm. Best and worst cars of 2021. Oh, yeah. Things we think are the best value, what we each pick. We try to do this kind of thing right at the end of the year, right at the beginning of next year. We will return to that idea because I really like covering what we've done in the year past, what we're looking for in the year forward, some of our favorite cars from the year. We will get to that. You need to touch on Jared Rose One's question here. A new Marvel movie, Legend of the Ten Rings, mm-hmm. included needless destruction of a mint Porsche 944 <laughs> and two BMW i8s. Made him cringe. He says, Todd, please tell him these movie prop cars were fake and three great cars weren't destroyed for a two-second clip in a movie. Jared, let me boggle your mind a little further. How many takes did they do? <laughs> Did they do Yikes. lots of takes? Yeah. I mean, there's, just... there's a couple ways to shoot this stuff. There, there are, And this is what's happened with uh, cameras getting better and getting smaller. This started when, you remember when Canon first released their cameras that could really shoot video mm-hmm. like 15 years ago now? We started using yeah, them. Yeah, we did. So once they sh- started shooting with DSLRs, film production changed a little bit. And what you started to have was these big scenes in movies that would have 16, 18, 20 cameras. And four or five of them they knew were probably going to get destroyed would be those Canons. Because the chips would survive and the, ca- the, ca- the, the camera would get destroyed and they would use them like Tic Tacs. They would just destroy them. So my point is probably fewer takes than would have been done in the old days of the Dukes of Hazard. Right, right. The Dukes of Hazard used so many chargers, they were having to buy alternate years and retrofit them <laughs> because they were destroying so many chargers in every single episode. It depends on how the cars were used. Depending entirely on how the cars were used and how they filmed the scene would tell you if they actually destroyed real ones or if they put bodies on lesser things. If you get something like the movie Ferris Bueller's Day Off, that was a kit car. 
That was mm-hmm. not the actual Ferrari 250 GTO. They're right. too expensive. We need to destroy it. We need to also drive it. So that kind of thing. I wouldn't be surprised because, I hate to say this, 944s and BMW i8s aren't that expensive. I wouldn't be surprised if there were some real ones in the scene. And then you've got digital. Mm-hmm. You can destroy stuff mm-hmm. digitally. And then you've got ones. This is the other thing that happens. You typically have got a hero car that is the actual car. Then you've got the car that is made for the stunt, which is the car stripped out, roll caged, etc., for the stunt player. And then you sometimes have a destruction car that is just a rolling chassis with a body on it. Depending upon how they shot it, they probably destroyed some stuff. You might not be happy by the answer, but this is the <laughs> layers of things that go on. I mean, ultimately, to your point, don't the producers of the film look at it from a cost standpoint, not an enthusiast. Of course. You know, oh, we got to keep those cars around. No. Well, it's low cost in relation to our budget. We can afford those two I-8s. Let's get those. Who cares if they're enthusiast cars or beloved cars or not? Fortunately, there there are a lot of 944s were built. That's Mm -hmm. a good thing. And (laughs) the I-8s aren't (laughs) beloved. I hate to say it, but they're not. Exactly. So in that case, they're they're just looking at the line item of how much does this cost? Okay, it's going to be fully destroyed. Out of a... $500,000 $500,000 budget, two to $3 million, $20 million film, $200 million film. It obviously depends, but it's just about cost at that point, right? Yes, and the other thing that goes on, this is a fascinating little game. If you really want to play this game as a viewer, as a car viewer, do this. Watch a movie that is mid to low budget, not a high budget film. You're talking about a Marvel movie. They had plenty of budget. A of mid to low budget movie that has any kind of car action scene, and you will suddenly notice that the cars are all 15 to 20 years older than when the movie takes place <laughs> that they're using for the action scenes because they're cheap. And I'll give you a, a non-car example. It's the first one that popped in my mind. There's an old Steve Martin movie, kind of a fun, quirky movie called L.A. Story. Yeah. It takes place yeah. in the 90s. There's a scene in the opener where he's just showing ridiculous things that people do to drive in L.A., and they have four people at a four-way stop, and they're each trying to wave each other on. Now, this movie made in the 90s. And then they all decide that they're all going to go at the same time, and they have a four-way wreck in the middle of the intersection. It's all 1980s K-cars. Oh, funny. Because the movie's yeah. made in the 90s. But 1980 K-cars, they, they spit those out of the factories as fast as they could, and they're terrible cars, and they got them for a buck fifty. So those are the cars you do a four-way wreck with. They didn't buy Mercedes for that. <laughs> right. So watch your, watch your mid-grade, mid-level uh, production movie and see the kind of cars they wreck because they're typically the cars they could buy cheap. Thank you all for your, your great questions. Keep sending us great your stuff. car debates, car conclusions, and your topic Tuesdays. EverydayDriverTV at gmail.com. And Season 9 is fully available on Amazon at this point. Yeah, it is. And the 90s superhero piece... Mm-hmm. 90s Hero Cars has been recut mm-hmm. and is available on our main YouTube channel right now. Thank you to all of you that have watched it. Many of you have given great comments. We appreciate it. Looking forward to next time. As usual, cheers, everyone. <laughs>